0: Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. To all my bedcrimers, hi, how are you? I hope you're having a great day or a night, wherever you are. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for taking the time to check out my channel. As always, I just ask that after listening to and or watching the video, if you find you enjoyed it or learned something, do me a favor, smash the like button. It's a free way you can help. Now, let's dig in. Researchers have been analyzing the lives of convicted serialists for decades, trying to understand what led them to become violent offenders of this ilk. FYI, I use the term serialist instead of the two-word version because I'm getting tired of YouTube not allowing ads on my videos and thus keeping me from getting paid for my work. If I sound cranky about that, Well, I am. So that's why you'll be hearing the term serialist. Today, I'll be sharing some info from a white paper about serialist lives that I found on the website for the National Institutes of Health. And yes, it's institutes, plural, not institute. The paper discussed research that's been done to see how childhood abuse leads some people to become serialists and how the specific type of abuse can affect the methods a particular serialist uses in their crimes, his or her motivation for committing the crime, and the behaviors that serialists engage in at their crime scenes. Okay, so per this paper, a large database of 233 male serialists who'd suffered some form of childhood abuse such as physical, psychological, or SA was analyzed according to crime scene behaviors. It makes sense that a human being who is subjected to some form of abuse as a young person would grow up to have violent thoughts. Any form of abuse would make a child feel incredibly vulnerable vulnerable, unable to fight back and to stop the harm. It's no wonder that experience could turn into a simmering cauldron of rage. It turned out that these three categories of harm often led to distinct crime scene behaviors. By the way, physical abuse is different from SA. The physical variety involves things like slapping, kicking, fists being used, etc. It does not include the more, shall we say, intimate acts. I realize that based on the crime in Moscow, Idaho, we can only say that the perpetrator is a mass blank. You have to fill in the blank there with the M word. That's another term that YouTube doesn't like. And this is because it is unclear if this person committed any other crimes of this nature. However, based on the sharp-edged object used on the four students, an object that leads to a very in-your-face, personal an intimate crime, and that requires a great deal of rage, and the fact that the crime was planned to some degree, at least on one targeted victim, as opposed to a sudden impulsive act on a random victim it seems likely that this offender would have continued this antisocial behavior if he could. So for this video, I'm going to consider the perpetrator of the crime in Moscow, Idaho, a budding serialist. I'm also thinking of Brian Koberger as being the perpetrator just for the sake of this video. However, he is still innocent at this time because he has yet to go to trial and be convicted by a jury. Innocent until proven guilty. According to this white paper, research suggests that serialists typically experience some form of abuse during their childhoods. Such abuse appears to drive them in the direction of becoming violent offenders, and it also tends to lead to cognitive processing problems later on in life. These cognitive processing problems rear up in aggressive thoughts, Thought patterns. So, aggressive thought patterns are things like when a person has recurring violent thoughts, which may involve both mental images and physical impulses to act violently. So, kids that are harmed tend to grow up into young adults and adults who have aggressive thoughts. Of the 233 theorists in this database, on average, 50% of them suggested that they'd experienced psychological harm as children, 36% said they'd experienced physical harm, and 26% said they experienced SA. And some of them said they experienced more than one type of harm, as in both psychological and physical. For this discussion, we also have to talk about the motivations that drive serialists to commit their crime over and over. Per the experts, their motivations for doing people in fall into four categories. One, lust. Two, anger. Three, power. And four, financial gain. The lust serialist commits crimes that involve actual essay or symbolic essay, such as through the use of a foreign object. Anger-motivated serialists are those who do people in for motivations that stem from feelings of, well, anger, frustration, or betrayal whether it's real or imagined. The power-motivated serialist is one who derives pleasure from having complete control over their victim. And finally, financial gain offenders are those who commit crimes based on the accumulation of goods or finances. So they do people in in order to gain access to goods and money. I would say black widow offenders who find wealthy people to marry and then do in would fall into that last category. So those are the four motivations of most serialists. Experts say there is a clear distinction between the type of abuse experienced as a child and the behavior of this serialist with his or her victims. For example, if a serialist was essayed as a a child, they are more likely to commit power-driven murders. I can't help but think about alleged serialist Rex Heuerman. If he did in the three Gilgo Beach victims whose deaths he's currently charged with, then I would say he may very well have experienced Essay as a child. This is me speculating. We don't know much about Heuerman's childhood other than he was bullied for a period until he grew up into a giant of a man and a bully himself, and we also know that his father died when he was around 11 or 12 years old. What we do know is that four Gilgo Beach victims were found bound, either with belts or with duct tape around their necks, their hands, and their ankles. This suggests that the perpetrator wanted to have total power over them. Now, if a serialist experienced psychological harm as a child, they were more likely to commit crimes driven by lust and the desire to essay their victims. So here it would appear again, if Rex Heurman is guilty of the crimes, then he may also have been subjected to emotional abuse as a child. Remember, some serialists said they were subjected to more than one category of harm. We know that Heurman's alleged victims were all working as escorts, and he allegedly spent a lot of money and time on escorts. The research also showed That if a serialist experienced physical harm as a child, that serialist tended to commit more violent crimes, such as crimes where a victim is subjected to additional pain for an extended period, crimes where a victim sustains a fatal wound, and then is subjected to even more wounds after the fact. In this case, the serialist is going beyond what is necessary, to do a person in. In all the crimes where this overkill occurred, the bodies were left at the crime scene as opposed to being moved somewhere else. Apparently, there didn't appear to be a strong connection between financial gain and any type of abuse, but apparently murders for financial gain were committed quickly. The offenders committed the crime as soon as possible and then quickly departed. Get in, get out. The crime in Moscow, Idaho, went down in a frenzied hurry. We know the perpetrator spent no more than 20 minutes at most in that house, and during that period, he did in four human beings with a sharp object. From what we know, none of the victims were essayed, although there was some speculation that perhaps one victim was subjected to a sharp object in the groin area. This is speculation at this point. According to this white paper, serialists who are motivated by both a desire for power and anger carried out their crimes quickly. I would say that if Koberger is the guilty party, then he was driven by a need to feel power over his targeted victim. I say targeted victim because I believe one female was targeted, Maddie Mogan, and the other three victims were in the wrong place at the wrong time. The perpetrator had all the advantages of battle on his side. He was wide awake, and he cornered his targeted victim, And her friend in a bedroom while they were either sleeping or dozing off and at a time when they likely were inebriated at least to some extent. He had a sharp object in hand to harm them. They did not. He had access to the exit out of that room. They did not because he was blocking it. They were likely confused and unable to quickly process what was happening. He was likely fueled by both that rage and adrenaline, and the crime went down in mere minutes as opposed to hours. The whole scenario screams both power and rage. The question now is, in addition to being severely bullied and rejected as a child and young adult, which may have left Koberger full of rage, was he ever essayed? According to this white paper, perpetrators driven by power tend to have been essayed as kids. I know that not every single perpetrator driven by power has been essayed, but it sounds like the majority have. Is this yet another ingredient in the cocktail that led to the crime at 1122 King Road? What do you guys think? Let me know in the comments. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories.